in the night Your heart fills with dread Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed You'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well, hello <laughs> That's it. That sounded like the beginning of Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Is that Welcome what to is the that? Jungle is that a oh shit everybody's yelling it right now like a cool hair metal band yeah, no it's like it was in the same vein of like um oh down fuck me i'm keep going i'm gonna look i this thought you were up. gonna say downton abbey i was like i don't think it, it yes was. it's the downton abbey soundtrack <laughs> welcome to downton abbey <laughs> shit is crazy please please um stretch while i oh, i would uh, like to vibe well speaking of music i'll tell you what i've been listening to recently a lot of jack white music because we visited third oh records. it's great yeah his new record is fantastic so uh, good it's real good it's real good a lot of rock rocking kind of stuff uh you know me i normally listen to like uh yacht rock like john mayer kind of stuff found stretching it my legs all right what do we got here down with the sickness by disturbed you you said it's down it was like on the tip of your tongue mm-hmm so let's see. Not a hairband. That's on me. I'm gonna play ten. God damn it! Is that an advertisement? <laughs> Just this is an ad. <laughs> oh, this I can't freaky do Friday anything. is gone. Started real freaky up in here. Is that <laughs> a Google so commercial? Loud. I recognize that commercial. I watch a lot of YouTube. Wait for the part I was doing. We're gonna get taken off iTunes. We're going to get sued by Disturbed. Here it comes. Take us down. That's the one. There it is. That was worth it, though, if we get sued, because that song slaps. (laughs) You know Um, what? Exhibit A, they'll be like, this is not harm your brand. (laughs) I know nothing about that type of law. Please don't DM me. Uh, well, thank you for hanging in there. With if you're still around, thank you. <laughs> you didn't um, turn it off. <laughs> if not, then we understand. But I think Fridays are a little looser. A mm-hmm. little, we get a little loose on these shows. We get a little loose. We've been on tour. We're we're you know we're tired, y'all. <laughs> my uh, my nutritionist appointment today. She's like, so have you been sleeping? And I was like, no. <laughs> Have you Don't been eating since well? I've been back? Not really. Yeah. yeah, since we've been back a little bit, yeah. But yes, I uh, this week I've been like I have got to eat vegetables mm-hmm. because I've only been eating carbs while mm-hmm. we're on the road. Certainly, yes. Brussels sprouts. I've had some uh, salads, some nice crunchy, leafy, nice, it's been nice. fresh, fresh food, fresh food. Cooks. I'm proud yeah. of you. Good. Oh, well, you. we'll ruin it in just a few days. So yeah, right. Get it while you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well we uh we've got some good ones. Um some that some head scratchers. Yeah, some of these I they're inexplicable. Yes, we'll try to explic them, but <laughs> they might not they might be inexplicable. <laughs> no splicks promised. <laughs> well, I'm Is Christy. Is that a short for explanation? Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. <laughs> This first one is from Anon. 
they are anonymous. That is not their name. Yes. And the subject line is, the day my dad called to ask me why the FBI was looking for me. Never a call you want to get. Mm -mm. Please don't use my name. You'll understand why. Names have been changed. In the summer of 2016, I had just moved in with my boyfriend for the first time. I was in college and working full time. On this particular day, I was heading to an awful math class when I got a call from my dad. I just got a call from our neighbor Dawn and she said the FBI was over at the house looking for you. Dead stop. Excuse me? Why the hell was the FBI looking for me? Is this some sick joke? I called our neighbor when I had gotten to campus. Her husband was a Chicago cop, and she confirmed the FBI was indeed at her house, asking if she knew where I was. I promptly left class and headed back to my parents' house. No card, no note, nothing. So I sat and waited. I called the FBI hotline, like they'd give me answers, and asked how I could confirm if this was real and what to do. Spring and summer in Chicago is prime time for scams, so the operator said, if you feel you're in danger, call 911, ask for a business card, and we can confirm their identity. Cool. Here I am spiraling all over the LimeWire downloads I had probably illegally downloaded in my teens, thinking, this is it. This is how it ends for me. I called my dad and boyfriend and let them know what was going on and headed out to the grocery store. As I was checking out, I got a call from an unknown number. It went to voicemail. When I got in the car, I listened to it. Hi, this is Detective blah 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 with the Chicago FBI field office. We just left your apartment and missed you. I damn near pissed myself. I called the number back, and sure enough, he confirmed his identity and asked if he and his partner could meet to talk with me. Again, I checked in with my dad and boyfriend and headed back to the apartment with my ass cheeks clenched. I got out of my car and they greeted me, showed me their badges and asked if we could talk somewhere. At that point, I said no, but I'd be happy to speak outside in the backyard. As we got in the backyard, my neighbor came barreling down the gangway. I heard the FBI was here looking for you. Are you okay? Great. There goes the neighborhood, I thought. I told her I was fine, and thanks for asking. So here I was talking to these men in suits, asking me how I was, where I was, how my day was going. And at that point, I'm sure they could tell I was shitting bricks. With a lump in my throat, I asked, So, can I ask you why you were at my parents' house and now here? They assured me I was in no trouble, which was like a weight off my shoulders. But then, we just needed to inform you that your name and parents' address was listed on an ISIS kill list. Casual. Fucking casual. I asked what I needed to do. Should I delete all my social media? Change my number? Move cities? Was I in danger? My family? They just told me to be vigilant, gave me their cards, and left. Later that day, my mom got a call, talked to the same detective, and was convinced it was a scam. We went to our local CPD station, and they looked at us like we had 10 heads. Okay, ma'am, if you're in danger, call 911. We don't communicate with the FBI. The next day, I called the FBI headquarters again, gave the operator the names on the card, and she transferred me to their desk. Again, ever so casually, like old friends, he made small talk with me. I let him know my mom thought this was a scam and was concerned. He offered to go meet her at her house, but I told him I didn't think she'd be comfortable with that. 
He offered for us to come down to headquarters to talk, and we did. We went through all the security, got badges, and sat down in one of those typical interrogation rooms you see on TV. He answered all my mom's questions, and I just sat there dumbfounded that this shit was actually happening. I was extremely paranoid for the longest time and had major anxiety being out in public. Grateful I can laugh about it now. Here's a Snopes article I found with all the details that have been told to me. Turns out those pieces of shit do this all the time to scare and intimidate people. And by pieces of shit, she means ISIS, not the FBI. Yeah, the FBI was, turns out they were following up on a le- what they thought at the time was a legit lead, but mm-hmm. was misinformation by ISIS hackers. Yes, the Snopes article, and we can link it in the show notes. Basically, ISIS hackers either hack into systems to release these lists to intimidate people, or it's just from even like third party data sources. Like the people on these lists have nothing to do with the government, they don't have affiliations with the government. And it's gotten to the point now where counterterrorism units are like, do we even need to tell people about this? To which Heather and I both said, I would like to know. I'd like to know. If my name comes up on a list, even even if if it turns out to be nothing, I would like to know. But apparently it is a thing that happens quite a bit and it's to intimidate people and kind of, yeah, the article says... It was previously issued a kill list, and the most recent example seems to be little more than a group of names and addressed randomly compiled from information openly posted on the internet through, like, social media and stuff. Okay. So, so you know, I guess anybody ISIS. could be on the list. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, uh, you know, they are just trying to create distractions, because mm-hmm. then you have the FBI chasing down fake leads, you get them all distracted, mm-hmm. then do something else on the other side of it or just you know want to mess with the fbi sounds sounds dangerous yet smart if you're it's like a misinformation campaign so look over here so you don't see what we're really doing i would like to know if they copy and pasted my name even if they're not going to do anything with it i'm like yeah. i read my name weird <laughs> i want to yes yeah i, I want to know and that is terrifying to get a call that the fbi has been to multiple houses trying to track you down For real? and they just casually show up they're like well your name's on an isis kill list so anyways have a good day yeah i guess being like so where are you going what were you doing today they're just trying to vet and be like she has nothing to do with anything mm-hmm. either side of of this so just trying to figure out if it was part of this misinformation, and it was, thankfully. Well, thanks, yes. Anon. Anon, yes. Just go by that on everything, and now they they can't ever track you down. They can't get you. So thank you for sharing that with us. And now everyone knows if this happens, or maybe it has happened to you also, that while it is freaky, it might not be as freaky as you think. Yeah. It could be a reasonable explanation. Mm-hmm. Well, this next one is from MJ, and the subject line is Appalachian Not Deer. Hey guys, I heard you were looking for cryptid sightings. Sorry it isn't Mothman, but the story is still freaky as hell. So this happened to my friend, not me, but I vividly remember it because of how scary it was. So my friend Cam was sent out onto the Appalachian Trail by his parents for wilderness therapy. His parents are insane. He was with a bunch of other teens, and every night they sat around a fire. Cam left the fire to go to the bathroom and looked out into the bushes to see a deer staring at him. He froze and saw it looked wrong, like slightly contorted, like it was uncomfortable standing on four legs. The deer had human eyes, too. 
Cam called for one of his friends, and the deer bolted. It ran wrong, too, like it was a human crawling instead of a deer running. Over the next few days, he kept seeing this deer, mainly at night and always just out of sight of the trail. One night he couldn't sleep, so he got up to walk around, and he looked off of the trail. They were on the edge of some kind of mountain, and he saw the deer standing on one of the ridges, just staring at him, with some kind of liquid dripping off of its face. The deer then stood up, still staring, and walked back into the trees. Cam turned around to run and saw that one of the other people was behind him. They had also seen the not-deer. The next few days, the rest of the people on the hike admitted that they also saw various animals that were not quite right-looking. My friend isn't easily scared, but I can tell that this shit freaked him out. Anyways, love the show. Hope you all come to Atlanta so I can drag my mom to one of the live shows. Well, we were just there, and we hope you were there because it was made it. a great show. Super fun venue, oh. super great crowd, all around fun. But this deer is not fun at all. I don't want to see anything with liquid dripping off its face and staring at you and running off into the trees. I think not deer is a great moniker mm-hmm. for this thing. The fact that it looks like a human crawling instead of a deer running is not for me. I don't like that. No, no. I... um. I won't say I'm not an outdoorsy person because I like the outdoors. Yeah. I don't, I I am not experienced enough to go into the Appalachian Mountains and just camp. I, I would need guidance and a group of some sort probably. But also, this is why I don't want to do stuff like that. No, I like the outdoors if I can have a locking door mm-hmm. around me. Like uh, my friend Gypsy that you're familiar with, her and her husband James, are they're going camping, but they got an SUV that they could sleep in. Oh, nice. Because Gypsy's like, I'm fine to camp. I just don't want to like, I don't want snakes to get me. And I was like, that is genius that you, like it's the at the back of the SUV is big enough for an air mattress. And I was oh. like, that, I'm down to camp like that. If I also... If shit goes down, first of all, you have locking doors around you. You could just jump up, jump in the driver's seat seat and speed away. Yeah. So fine with that. And then if you look out the window and you see a not deer staring at you, you're like, nope, turn on the engine, drive away, take off. So I like glamping. Like when we went to Big Sur, we were in the woods, but it was an air conditioned tent. Mm -hmm. We had a queen size, very nice bed Mm -hmm. and electricity. But, you know, and I mean, it was... Like those thick um, tent sidings. Like a canvas kind of thing? Yeah, but it was very, very thick. And, you know, it actually, I think it had an actual door that shut and locked on it. So that was great because you got all the comforts of home, Mm -hmm. but you're in a beautiful setting and you walk right out and there's a fire pit and giant redwoods and you can go hiking and all sorts of stuff. But if a not deer comes my way, I can just shut the door and lock it out. Yes. I need the big, like, that's how I was base camp Terralingua. It had these zippers that... Even if you were, like, casually opening them, if you tried to just whip it open and surprise someone, there's no way. It's like a circle zipper. It was a whole thing. So that's what – that's you and I are on the same page. Mm -hmm. We need, like, the nice – the glamping tent. But you know what? Bravo to my – I have many brave friends that like to just go on the ground, just normal, standard, vinyl, whatever, nylon tent. I've done it. Brave. I – I and, you know, I can't say that I wouldn't do it because I do enjoy that stuff. And Ella keeps wanting to go camping. And I'm like, do you mean glamping? (laughs) (laughs) But I will go camping for, but I don't like, um, 
I don't like bugs, really. Yeah, no. Specifically mosquitoes. Nah. So uh, I don't. I don't love the idea of that. I, it's also it's real quiet out there. Yeah, you can hear everything. Drop. You can hear every. You can hear not deer mm-hmm. coming at you, coming your way. Mm-mm. But yeah. Uh, well, I. It sounds like they got away. So yeah. that thing is just still out somewhere, not deering around. Getting liquid dripping off its face. Oh, mm-mm. Well, this next one's from Anna, and this is The World's Worst Car Thief, A Cautionary Tale. Love you both and love the podcast. Heather is a fellow lawyer with ADHD. You're such a huge inspiration to me. I have struggled with a lot of feelings of self-doubt and worry that I won't be able to keep up with my peers. But hearing you do awesome lawyer stuff gives me so much confidence. Anyway, on to the story. I grew up in a very small suburb in New Zealand. My mom's whole family also grew up there and two of her brothers, Chris and Peter. They lived together in a small house a few streets away from us. Late one night, while Chris and Peter were enjoying some television, somebody knocked on their front door. They live on a very quiet street and are friendly with all the neighbors, so Chris opened the door without bothering to ask who was there first. Unfortunately, the late-night caller was a strange man, wielding a rather large knife. He forced his way inside and demanded that they hand over the keys to the parked car in the driveway. The car was a real piece of junk, so Peter sensibly decided he would rather lose it than get stabbed with the knife the man was now erratically waving around so he went to retrieve the keys. Chris apparently had other ideas, because he proceeded to body slam the man, knocking him off balance and out of the house and onto the front porch. At some point while they were struggling for the knife, the man stabbed Chris right through his hand, between the thumb and pointer finger. High on adrenaline, Chris's mind didn't even register that he had been stabbed and kept on fighting. At this point, the intruder decided that the terrible car was not worth the effort and ran away into the darkness. It was only then that Chris noticed that he and the front porch were covered in blood and went inside to wrap his hand in a towel and presumably get yelled at by Peter for his poor decision-making. Meanwhile, the knife man had run next door to the home of the local and very elderly Catholic priest, who also opened the door straight away without checking who was outside. Now covered in blood, the man pushed his way inside and demanded the priest's car keys and any alcohol in the house. The priest replied that he was very sorry, but he did not have a car. This was a lie. Or any alcohol. Also definitely not true. Undeterred by his previous tragic failures, the man who was swiftly becoming the world's worst car thief went out onto the street and flagged down the next passing car. He told the female driver that his grandmother was having a heart attack and desperately needed help. For some reason, she got out of the car, and he immediately pulled the knife on her. She looked him dead in the eye and hurled her car keys over the fence of a nearby property. Foiled yet again, he finally admitted defeat and fled to his brother's house. His brother took one look at his bloody clothes and slipped away to call the police. Back at my uncle's house, Chris was calmly waiting for an ambulance to arrive. At hospital, he had surgery to repair the damage and was discharged the next morning with an impressive amount of stitches and a great story to tell at parties. At the eventual trial, Chris was called to testify against his attacker. The man took one look at him, shrugged, and told the judge, Yeah, I'm guilty. As he was led away past my uncle, the man leaned over and said, apologetically, Sorry I stabbed you, bro. 
Despite the fact that the knife went all the way through his hand, Chris suffered no lasting damage from his injury, and his scar is barely visible. To this day, I refuse to even crack my front door open without asking who is outside. Thanks, Uncle Chris. Oh, my goodness. It's like the Keystone Cops. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is like an I think you should leave sketch. <laughs> Honestly, that just at every turn. Also, Chris and Peter, y'all have got to get some sort of uh, signal system of like, <laughs> just let him have the car. Hell no, I'm going to knock his ass yeah. over. But it's one of those where they're looking at each other and you're like, yeah, yeah, we're on the same page. Completely opposite. No, pages. totally opposites. One leaves to go get the keys. The other one's like, not today. God. And shit ensues from there. I like that the priest was like. I won't give up my my wine, my nope. sacramental wine, and my non-sacramental wine. <laughs> He's like, you'll believe me, I got the collar on. Uh, and this woman making eye contact while throwing her keys. Mm-hmm. That's also a bold move. Yeah, I'm glad I it love worked it. Out. I'm very glad it worked out. And at that point, safe. he's covered in blood. Yeah. So that's even braver. And also... Heart attacks don't usually induce blood, so his story, he was he was erratic at that point. He was just doing whatever he could to get a car. Yeah, also, glad he apologized. Sorry, I stabbed you, bro. Okay, well, you're not forgiven, because <laughs> I'm glad it was, I mean, honestly, though, a knife going all the way through mm-hmm. your hand, you could have some, like, grip issues. I'm glad sure. it, it managed to miss everything, uh, but that is, what a wild time, and that's, uh, I think, a great lesson from the story, is just check out your door. Ring doorbell, you got a little peek, you know, mm-hmm. a curtain, something to peek out. I don't know, some sort of, uh, just just see if they have a knife. That's always a good step one. But uh, if you're in than... a small town, you know everybody though. Last year, yeah, you would expect. Wouldn't. But that's the story of a. That's the beginning of a horror so movie. Get you, so they get you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very, and also I'm very glad me sharing my ADHD is helpful to you, Anna. I'm sure you're a fantastic lawyer. You're an excellent writer, so we appreciate that. Absolutely. All right, this next one is from Ashley, and the subject line is Bad Things Happen in Threes. Hey, ladies, let me start by saying I love your podcast. I'm a true crime junkie. I listen to y'all while I cook, do the dishes, walk my dogs, and clean my house. I love the Freaky Friday episode, so I thought I'd share something that happened back in June 2020, because to this day, it still haunts me. Once my fiancé, now husband, and I were able to leave the house because of COVID, We decided we needed to get out of town, so we took a trip to the beach. We live about seven hours from our favorite place to vacation, mostly because we got engaged there. So we booked a condo room and headed down for a relaxing week of white sand and crystal blue water. We had some friends down there that same week, so we decided we would go all in together and rent a pontoon boat and go to a local popular sandbar for a day and just zone out. Sounds great, right? Wrong. This particular day started great. My fiancé and I slept in, and then we went to a nice lunch before we headed out. We made our way to the boat rental hut, met up with our friends, filled out the paperwork, and boarded the boat. Instead of going straight to the sandbar, we decided it would be fun to drive around and look at all the big yachts. Now, I grew up in the backwoods of Tennessee and spent a lot of time at the lake, so I know a thing or two about boats, and I was concerned about leaving the area of the bay that didn't lead into open water, but I digress. So we start riding, crack some good old hard seltzers, and relaxed. Our fearless captain was our friend's sweet dad, and he was so excited to be out on the boat for the day. As we started going, water was splashing all over the front, and I thought to myself, hmm, maybe we need to move some people to the back. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and probably should have at this point, but I decided that was just me being super paranoid. 
A few minutes later, my fiancé said something to me about it. I kid you not, as soon as he finished his sentence, a wave came onto the front of the boat, and then another, and then another. In the blink of an eye, the whole front end of this janky rental pontoon boat was under the water. The guys immediately took off to the back to equalize the weight, but not before my fiancé fell on the slippery, flooded boat floor and busted his face wide open. I looked at my fiancé, blood streaming from his right eye. He looks at me and asks, Is it bad? Part of me wanted to pass out, and the other part said, Nah, babe, just rinse it off and hold your towel to it. And I hurried back to the front of the boat to collect myself before I, too, hit the floor, because I'll be honest, I don't do blood, y'all. We take a few breaths, crack open a few more seltzers because obviously we're traumatized, and decide it's time to head back toward the sandbar. My husband said, and I quote, Well, we almost sank our boat and I cut my head open. Bad things happen in threes. He's very optimistic, if you can't tell. Not even ten minutes after this traumatizing, life-flashing-before-our-eyes incident, we see a woman screaming frantically from a boat. I'm talking hands-waving, jumping up and down, screaming help at the top of her lungs. We slowly go over to her boat, nervous about what in the world is going on. We see arms frantically moving around in the water quite a ways away from the boat. I immediately said, oh my gosh, they're drowning. Someone is drowning. Our fearless captain made a beeline for the cluster of arms sticking out from the water. It was four people, ranging in ages from 14 to 18. They'd been swimming. Why would you swim in the middle of the ocean? It's beyond me. And the current carried them away from their boat. Between the choppy sea and the current, they were on the struggle bus. They had lost so much energy trying to fight the elements and get back to the boat, they were to the point of exhaustion and unable to wade any longer to keep their heads above water. The eldest of the bunch was trying to keep the rest of them from going under, and in the process had swallowed a lot of water and was unable to breathe. He was within minutes of drowning. We threw them life jackets and were able to get them onto our boat safely, but incredibly shaken up. Between them sobbing and spitting up water, you could hear them telling each other they were so scared they were going to die and that they didn't want to die that way. We were able to get them all safely back to their boat. At this point, I'm just ready to go back to the safety of our beach chairs and just bake in the sun all day, but we instead cracked open 80 more White Claws, made our way to the sandbar, and got some much-needed relaxation. I guess there's a reason for everything, and I truly think our intuition took us out there to save their lives. Thank you so much for taking the time to read my story. I know it's not true crime or supernatural related, but it just goes to show you there's a reason for everything, and sometimes the universe puts us where we are needed. Much love, Ashley. Well, I got to say, the fact that they kept drinking the White Claws is impressive. <laughs> this is a baller move. You're they like, would you not be deterred. They were going to have a day of claws and relaxation, and nothing was going to stand in their way. I like that there was no, and then we drove my fiancé back to get stitches on his face. It was like, just hold the towel to it. And then Here's we a berry White open claw. 80 more claws. <laughs> you know what? We'll solve a head wound. Claws. Yeah, solves everything. I am terrified of drowning. It's one of my top fears. So I, uh, this whole thing just made me feel panicky, just imagining it and uh, how nervous and scared that person on the boat must have been. I don't, maybe they couldn't, they didn't know how to drive the boat, or maybe there weren't life uh, rafts or, or, you know, the things you throw on their boat. I don't know. But I'm glad that Ashley and crew were in the vicinity to help them out. I do not like to swim 
far out in the ocean. You know, like Mm-mm. if I was, you know, right on the shore or like I've been to a hotel where they have like anchored little like swim, kind of like a little swim net that you swim maybe like 30 feet offshore, but there's these like buoy kind of things you can grab onto and like sit in. I'm fine to do that. But if I was on a boat, I, I didn't even like swimming with the stingrays and came in because we were, it's, oh, granted, it's like it's a, a sandbar. sandbar. Kind of, I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still like, I was like, well, I'm just, what if I go off the edge? They're like, you won't. I'm like, but what if I do? It's real big. And also just stay in one spot. That's what I did. <laughs> also, I sent you that picture of that big ass whale today. You don't know what's in the ocean. I feel like that was photoshopped. But if it wasn't, God help those people. <laughs> it was on a website called Mean, or a Twitter feed called Meanwhile in Canada. And it was a big ass whale. It's. And it was right underneath these people in this tiny little rowboat. This so that thing like, comes up just doing its thing, not even trying to hurt anybody, and you're done. You're gonna. It's like you'll hurtle into the sky like a jack in the box. Yes, opening. for sure. Yeah, or it shoots water up out of its blowhole. You just stay on it, and then it's it a just, wacky fun. Yeah, time. like in a cartoon, you just come right back down. <laughs> you have a wacky like a, fun story to tell. It's a ride. Uh, well, thank you so much, Ashley, and I think uh, probably those teens that you saved are thanking you every day as well. Hmm. This next one is from Gabriel Hughes, and the subject line is Rocky Mountain Witch. Hi, y'all. I hope this finds you well. I've dealt with something for several years now due to this encounter, and I thought I'd share. I was in Denver for a conference, and my partner at the time met me towards the end to do some camping and hiking in the Rocky Mountain National Park. The last night in Denver, we skipped drinks with coworkers to rest up before a strenuous trip. That night, I kept having the same nightmare. There was a witch with long black hair, a pointy hat, and long flowing cloaks. She was always trying to get into my body to kill me. She would take on the appearance of friends or slip into a mirror and try to trick me. I would have to look her in the eyes to succumb. In every dream, she would eventually succeed and take me over. I would then stiffen, feel like I was having seizures, semi-awaken with sleep paralysis, and not be able to breathe. The first time, my partner heard me shaking and gasping and woke me up. Subsequent times, I had to shake myself out. Eventually, I just stayed up for the night, realizing I wasn't going to rest. The next day, we headed to Estes Park. You know the spot. I didn't want to ruin anything, despite my complete and full-bodied feeling of dread that lingered, and didn't tell my partner anything. Elk were on elevation, and the hikes were gorgeous, so I tried to forget about it. That night, a snowstorm hit but we had been prepared and bundled up in our tent. When I woke, my partner was gone. I figured they got cold and went to check the car. There they were. When I asked why they left, they said, I kept having this dream a witch was coming down the mountain to kill us. When they described her, she was dressed the same as in my dreams. Once again, I shoved it aside because I'm notoriously the dummy from horror films that ignores signs and checks strange noises. We stopped in town to prep for a hike. I called my mom to tell her where we were headed in case we needed rescuing or were lost. Before I could say anything, my mother stated, I had the scariest dream about you and a witch trying to kill you. A chill went down my spine. The feeling of dread had been omnipresent, and two other people I had not discussed this with confirming the story was too much. Needless to say, we got a hotel room to avoid the mountain. The rest of the trip was great, but a lot of weird, terrifying things have happened in the room I keep that tent. I definitely have more stories involving that witch. I'm not a believer per se, but I've definitely had to. Re- I'm not a believer per se, but I've definitely had to reorganize my stance. If Tommy and I are out, and I awake and he isn't in the tent any longer, 
and he's in the car, and then he tells me, oh, I left because I had a dream someone was coming to kill us, and he didn't wake me up to also go to the car with him. I think that's the end of our vacation. This is why you just camp in the car. You got to camp in the car immediately. Skip the, step. the Gypsy and James method. Cut out the middleman. Yes. Step. Yeah, I would be irritated if I was left behind of like, well, I thought something would fly down the mountain and kill us, so I bailed. <laughs> How you doing? They needed, in case, you know, in case it didn't happen, I didn't want to disturb you. You looked really comfortable. It's like, right. okay, well, I'd rather have been woken up and said, also, Gabriel, that's the time when you go, wait a second, I had this dream, and now you're having, it's a field of dreams moment. And you, once you have the same dream, you all got to talk about it. I think so. Mm-hmm. You got to tell your mom that you had also had the dream. Yeah, I wonder what this is where it's this coincidental recurrence, what uh, what time of year it was or what this happened. But I, I think that is maybe just some type of overall omen, some, some vibe in the air that, hey, they should not go to the mountain. They shouldn't hike wherever they were going to hike at. It's that they- cool mountain air gets you. What, what was the book? The something which mountain escape from which mountain, and then they return to it. Don't like do that. Idiots. You already got away. If you escape. Don't return. <laughs> Fools move. Terrible move. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Gabriel. And this last one is from Jay, and the subject line is "The House That Made My Mum a Believer." I have a great story for you about my childhood. I'd almost forgotten that this happened and had to put it down to be a result of an overactive imagination until a recent, rather chilling conversation with my mom. I grew up in a small town in South Africa. As kids, we lived on a cattle farm, but we moved closer to the city when I was six to be closer to our school and my dad's place of work. Long story short, after months of looking for a new house, my parents finally found one. It was a large house sat at the end of a quiet street on top of a hill, and it was beautiful. We were all excited to move in. My parents had gotten the house for far less than it was worth. However, the excitement was very short-lived. Some context. Now, South Africa isn't the safest place to live, at least not in the area that I grew up in. The crime rate is high and there's a large unhoused population, so it isn't uncommon to have large fences, guard dogs, and private security. My dad had always been extremely paranoid about safety, almost obsessively so, and would always make sure that all windows and doors were locked and alarms were set before going to bed in the evening. Okay, on to the story. It was a two-story home with a kitchen, formal dining room, and living room downstairs, and the bedrooms and playroom upstairs. My brother, being the oldest, had the room furthest away from my parents' room, right next door to our playroom. The house, although beautiful, had an ominous feel about it that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and I never wanted to be alone in a room for long. It felt like I was being watched or like I was somewhere that I wasn't supposed to be. On the day we moved in, my dad noticed that the playroom door was shut and locked and that he didn't have a key for it. He called the real estate agent, who assured him that no internal doors should be locked and that they didn't have any other keys than the one my dad already had. One night, not long after, my brother, who was 10 at the time, woke my parents to tell them that he couldn't sleep because of a knocking sound between the wall of his room and the locked playroom next door. My dad got up to investigate and saw that the once very locked door was now wide open with the TV, presumably left behind from the previous owner, on with static. Thoroughly freaked out, my dad turned the TV set off and unplugged it. He walked out, trying to close the door behind him, 
only to find that the knob was scalding hot with no explanation. He turned to face the door, perplexed, and it slammed shut in his face. My brother slept in their room that night. This happened several more times. The knocking, the door opening and closing on its own, sometimes locked, before my dad had the doorknob removed and a new one installed. That night, my brother went to sleep in his room and woke up to the knocking sound again. Half curious and half annoyed at this point, he knocked back. The knocking stopped, and so he rolled over, trying to go back to sleep. Seconds later, the knocking, which had now turned into banging, resumed, this time coming from the bedroom door. He screamed for my dad, who ran down the hallway only to see a dark figure disappear into the playroom. My dad followed, finding nothing but an empty room with the unplugged TV on, with static, once again. That was the last night any of us slept in our own bedrooms again, and my brother and I moved into my parents' room and stayed there for the remainder of our time living in that house. A few weeks passed until one day we came home from school to find that our mom had been packing our things. We moved out the following day and lived with my grandparents while waiting for the house to sell. My mom never explained why we moved out so abruptly until a recent family dinner where we were talking about that strange night. It turns out that on several occasions, while my mom was home alone, she would hear voices calling her name down the hall or from upstairs. One day, she heard one so vivid and loud that she was convinced there was someone in the house. She ran to the back door and let our two 50-kilogram, 110-pound dogs into the house, but instead found them cowering and whimpering, refusing to come inside. The last straw for her came one day when she was in the kitchen washing dishes. She again heard a noise, and turning to see where it came from, saw a tall, shadowy figure staring at her. It turned slowly and walked out, turning down the hall. A loud crash followed, and when she finally got the nerve to check what had happened, she found three of our framed family photos, once hung on the wall, smashed on the ground. Not just smashed, but they looked like they had been stomped on. She was recounting the story to us now 20 years later and still seemed shaken by it. She was tearing up telling it. We're not sure what happened in that house or what the presence was that we could all feel, but I am convinced that it was something dark and sinister that did not want us to be there. I've had a few more spooky experiences since then, both paranormal and true crime, so let me know if you'd like to hear them and I'll send them in. Love you and so glad I found your podcast. Have a beautiful day, Jay. Mama did the right thing. Why is the TV with static so scary? I don't know. Reading but this, it is. Before we went on the air and I read this in advance, I was like, because I was in the house and it was dead silent mm. and my back is to the hallway and it was like, she heard a name calling her voice down the hall. And I was like, no. <laughs> I was uh, reading these in bed last night and um, the light from my laptop was like, right in my face so I couldn't see like anything past that and I did not like that I was like D I'm playing a dangerous game so I can just walk in or I hear something or Tommy walks in and scares the shit out of me but yeah the TV with the static maybe from Poltergeist maybe yeah, that's probably. why it's so creepy but yeah. it's a big thing in haunted houses too like I guess because it's just um I don't know unnatural there's yeah, something spooky about it I, it's like we always say of like, okay, well, if there's a, they're touching the doorknob or banging on the wall, then they can move. So I'm like, if they're able to turn on the TV, then they're able to manipulate energy to the, at least to the point of turning on the TV and heating up the doorknob. Mm. Yeah, that's a, uh, 
I, I, they did the right thing, moving the kids in the bedroom and then GTFO before anything else could, could happen. And that sucks because you're like, wow, this house was gorgeous. And then you're like, this is why we got it for such under market value. Mm-hmm. That's why it was cheap. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. y'all are looking for a house. If you find one that they're like, there's no, there, it's like, uh, it's below listing price, 20% like, below listing price, probably because of fucking TV. Yeah. <laughs> you have to tell yeah. me. You have I mean, to tell me. How many doorknobs are hot? These doorknobs get hot? <laughs> well, thank you, Jay, and everyone else that submitted their stories. We appreciate it so much. If anyone else has one that you would like to send in, if you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you've felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at Sinisterhood.com slash Freaky Friday. You can also go there to... Sinister.com slash live shows for tickets to all of our upcoming shows on tour and information about all that. Everything is on the website. I really hope someone's seen Bigfoot. That's if you're if you have an uncle who's seen Bigfoot, get him to write us. You can oh, yeah. write it for him. We it would be great. I just it has to be true though. Don't make it up. I want a true yes. there are people who have encountered Bigfoot and I want to hear about it. Well, if you're out there and listen from your you bunker. Are. And your tinfoil hat has picked up this podcast recording. Please let us know. You can email me directly because we would be friends as an owner of a tinfoil hat. Yes, yes, you do have one. I have to say, not Bigfoot related, but this Saturday we're going to a place that I have been talking about for quite some time. And I'm very excited. I'm very excited too. And it... um, it's right outside of Boston. It's a little place called Salem, Massachusetts, if you guys haven't heard of it. But we're in Boston. We have a show in Boston on Tuesday. We're heading in a few days early to stay in Salem. And um, we might be doing a topic from Salem. And spoiler alert, it is not the witch trials. It is not. That's uh, not something that you want to discuss at Laugh Boston. <laughs> no, we don't. Uh, but we do want to discuss this other spooky topic, mm-hmm. and we're going to go visit it firsthand. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about we're that. We're very excited. So if you have any must-see places in Salem, or don't bother, because I've also run across lists where they're like, don't bother going to such and such museum. It's a waste of time. So since we only have a certain amount of time there, let us know the most authentic, witchiest, cool, spooky places and restaurants and stores we need to hit. Please, please do. And then so we'll be in Boston on Tuesday. Then we'll be in New York on Wednesday. And then we're going to be in Philadelphia on Friday the Mm -hmm. 17th. Yep. Very excited about all of our topics. Super fun East Coast trip. So, yeah, we hope to see you there. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Ruling the Airwaves and getting into a tier, a special shout-out on the show, 
a monthly bonus mini-sode. In June, we're going to do a Murdoch update on all the things that have happened. It's pretty much the one year since the mm-hmm. all the news stories started coming out, so we'll do an update on that. You also get patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationships Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, Wedded Drama, True Crime Headlines, and more. And with next week's episode, you're going to get a full video version of the episode. So that is part of your That's Patreon true. subscription. Yep. So we Yes, the comedy you- club in a... Uh, Cleveland, not only did it get recorded, but it is HD soap opera quality. And also they're like cutting back and forth. So there's yeah. multiple angles on us. And then when we do Judge Christie at the end, they're cutting to the audience members. It's fantastic. It's great. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. wish every club did it because it was, it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. And now you get to see that if you were there and you want to see it again, or if you weren't there, it was a super fun show with a very um, spooky and fun topic. And you're like, maybe I want to go to a live show, but what's it like? Watch this. It's going to be a different topic that's based in your town, mm-hmm. but this is a very fun topic. That also, we Baby enjoy. is there. Oh, yeah. You got to see Baby. <laughs> you also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. The next Q&A is going to be the 22nd of this month. And then the live stream that are getting into it here, patrons get to vote on what segment we're going to do. That is going to be on the 23rd. Voting is currently underway. I'll tell you right now, a new one we're introducing is winning by a landslide. So <laughs> You're like, well, <laughs> within like 15 minutes of posting it, the vote Not even. Like, five. Yeah. It was, I was like, oh, I think this is what we're going to be doing. So it's a, it's a new Reddit, uh, a new subreddit we're going to be discussing, which we heard about from a listener. And they were like, y'all got to check this one out because there's some wild stuff. And then I asked Tommy, the king of Reddit, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's going to be a good one. If Tommy says it, done yeah, and yeah. done. Mm-hmm. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch and keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode with them by clicking the three little dots at the top in the right corner. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can also go to SinisterHood.com slash playlist and get a playlist by topic, subject matter, all kinds of stuff like that. It's a great way to share the show with people who haven't listened yet. Mm-hmm. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. We're also on TikTok and YouTube. Christy, where are you at on the computer? I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and I am on Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. I can never add more social media things no because more. I. It took me four times that we're going to edit out to just get that out because I don't remember what any of my handles are. I'm on TwikTok. I'm on Twitter talk. <laughs> TwikTok should, yeah, let's just combine them all. Mega. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.
sinning.